welcome back, everybody. It's time again for another episode of Living Hope. A weekly journey designed to provide hope, inspiration, education for those living with pancreatic cancer. Sharing the real-life stories of those really affected by this deadly disease and how they deal with it on a daily basis. With our host, the host who knows the most about this subject, at least, Roberta Luna. Welcome. Thank you. I don't know if I know the most, but I know I certainly learn a lot every time we do something, so I really appreciate that. January is Clinical Trials Awareness Month, and today we have a special guest from the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. She is the Director of Patient Services Research and Education at PANCAN, and I'm going to let her introduce herself and tell a little bit about herself because I have a tendency to really screw up the last name. So, uh, Fatima, could you please introduce yourself and just give us a little background on you? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you today and talk about clinical trials. My name is Fatima Celada Arenas, and I am currently the director overseeing our research and education initiatives over at the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network as part of our patient services team. And I've been with PANCAN for almost 13 years now, and I started out my career at PANCAN working directly with patients and families impacted by pancreatic cancer providing resources, giving them information, and really just helping them with whatever they needed. And now I get to oversee um, a big part of, of the work that we do underneath our research and education initiative. So I'm really excited about that. And again, just happy to be here with you. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you. We're happy to have you. And I think in the early days, you were one of the associates that I actually got to work with. So I really appreciate all the information that you were very helpful in getting me. Um, can you tell us a little bit, what is a clinical trial? Sure. So a clinical trial is basically uh, an investigational treatment that's being evaluated to determine if it's effective and safe to use in patients with a specific stage and type of pancreatic cancer. And the goal is really to try to see if the treatment is going to be a treatment that's going to be able to be tolerated by patients and utilized um, and also effective. And there's different phases that a clinical trial um, will go through or treatment will go through in the clinical trial process to determine those things. Efficacy and safety basically are the big things that are being evaluated there. But it's investigational treatments that we hope are going to um, be effective in treating pancreatic cancer. Why are clinical trials so important? Clinical trials are critical because that's the only way that we're able to make advancements, get approval for new treatments, for pancreatic cancer and it's really you know through clinical trials that we're able to do that i know when i started my career at pancan we had you know only three really treatments that were approved by the fda at the time and through you know many years and many clinical trials that have really evaluated and looked at different treatments we are now seeing many more that are approved which is a wonderful thing. It's, it's something that only happens through clinical trials and through the participation of patients who have been part of the clinical trials and um, you know have kind of given that time and um, energy to help future patients that are battling the disease. So they're critical in, in research and development of new treatments. Do you know why it's so hard to get patients to do clinical trials? I think part of it is awareness. So I think a lot of patients still might not be aware that clinical trials are an option for them 
or think that it's a last resort that, you know, after they've kind of exhausted all of their treatment options, that's when they should consider clinical trials. And we really stress that clinical trials are an option for patients throughout their whole journey. So even if someone's just been diagnosed, you know, there's clinical trials for patients in that situation. Patients who have started their treatment journey maybe have been on one or two, you know, prior treatments, they're eligible for clinical trials as well. And certainly patients who have gone through all of what would be considered the standard of care options and are looking for other options can also um, participate in clinical trials. I think that's one thing. And then I think that there's definitely some barriers to clinical trial enrollment, which could include traveling. You know, many clinical trials are happening at specific institutions or hospitals, and sometimes it's hard for patients to get there. So that's a consideration as well um, and something that we see. I think also if the doctor is not aware of clinical trials, they might not be bringing it up to patients. And so again, just the awareness piece is a, is a pretty big one. Actually, you bring up a point that I actually did get a lot of people who ask questions. And one of those was, why doesn't their doctor know about clinical trials and why wouldn't they recommend it to them? Yeah, that's a really good question. So in many cases, you know, it could be because the physician's aware of clinical trials that are happening at their institution and maybe not at other institutions or hospitals outside. And I think it's just not known, you know, how many clinical trials are actually available. And so part of the work that we do at PANCAN is really try to create awareness around clinical trials, but also help patients bring the clinical trials to their physician. So if their physician isn't aware of them, then the patient is then able to really say, hey, you know, here's a list of trials that PANCAN provided me with. Are these an option for me? And really hopefully allows patients to be able to have that conversation with their healthcare team about what trials are available. But I think in many cases, you know, physicians might just not be aware that they're going on or might not think that there are any going on, you know, in the area. In many cases, there are. So it's worth looking into for sure. Is there any way that we can make the doctors more aware of the clinical trials? How do we bring awareness to them? That's a really good question and something that we work on at PANCAN as well is just creating awareness across the board for all, all stakeholders, patients, caregivers, healthcare professionals, researchers, um, you know, the, the general public and community. So it, it's a difficult one. I think that, you know, we do it through making ourselves available to conduct clinical trial searches for physicians if they want to learn about clinical trials for patients or if they just want to learn about the landscape. We make ourselves available to really be able to give them information on trials as they need it. We also, you know, have different opportunities like webinars and other uh, programming that we've put on through PANCAN to really try to create awareness for everyone, including the healthcare professional community. But it's a challenge. It's, it's definitely something that we continue to think about. It impacts the work that we're doing every day at PANCAN. Do they have to do a clinical trial at, from their medical facility where they're getting treatment, or can they go to an, a different medical a hospital or doctor to seek treatment to do a so clinical trial? That's a really good question. So with clinical trials, usually they're happening at a specific location and patients do usually have to travel to that location to participate in the clinical trial. It really is because of the treatment that's being given. You know, it has to be um, administered in a certain way. There has there's safety protocols around that. So in most cases, if there's a patient that's interested in a clinical trial and it's not happening at their hospital and it's happening at a different hospital, they will, in most cases, have to travel to that other hospital to receive the treatment. They can do that in conjunction with their current healthcare team, or that might require them, you know, getting a second opinion from that other hospital and really um, talking about the fact that they're interested in a clinical trial there and 
and going through that process there. For the clinical trials, who pays for those? Is that something the patient has to pay or insurance? Where does the cost come from then? It's a good question too. So there's different costs associated with clinical trials. They are what we would call research costs, which include like the experimental treatment that's being given to the patient, any tests that are being done for the purpose of the trial where we're trying to really learn new information. And that could be additional imaging, that could be blood tests, could be a wide variety of tests. And those are usually covered by the clinical trial. So anything that's related to the research um, that's being done in the trial, the treatment that's being received, and then any of the like additional testing or imaging that needs to happen is covered by the trial. And then there are what we call standard care of care costs or standard costs that are associated with participating in a clinical trial. And that includes like the doctor's visits, if they're using any standard of care treatments that are already approved by the FDA for pancreatic cancer, and then any standard like imaging that basically things that a patient would get if they were not participating in a clinical trial, but just getting treatment with their doctor, those things are usually going to go through insurance. And most insurance providers now after the Affordable Care Act are required to cover participation in cancer clinical trials. So that's something we talk about as well. Um, and you know, if patients are concerned about that, they can always connect with their insurance providers to see like, I want to participate in clinical trial. What does my coverage look like for that? And we can help with that process as well. Once they decide to do a clinical trial, does it take long to get it started or to get into the process of it? It may. So it depends on the clinical trial. It depends on the hospital. Everyone has a slightly different process for, for clinical trials. So um, we always you know, encourage starting early um, as much as possible and being persistent and advocating for yourself because um, sometimes it can be difficult, you know, depending on the clinical trial and how it's set up. But it, it can take, you know, a few days, it can take a few weeks. It, it really just depends on the situation, the treatment. Um, and, and I think it does, like I said, it, it's important to be persistent. It's important to advocate for yourself to make sure that everything is moving forward if somebody's really interested in enrolling in a study. So if a clinical trial is ongoing, can you come in at any time or do you have to wait and come in at the beginning of it? So most clinical trials are set up in a way that they um, kind of design the trial and, and there's a process for designing the trial and coming up with a protocol. And then once the clinical trial opens and becomes available, it's enrolling on an ongoing basis. So patients can come in at any time there are reasons that sometimes trials are paused or you know they're doing what's called an interim analysis where they're looking to see okay we've had a group of patients that have already been looked at in the trial and we want to see how those patients are doing before we continue to enroll patients in those cases they'll put the trial on hold but for the most part the trial will be open until they meet their enrollment goal so trials usually will have an enrollment goal uh, at the very beginning before they even open the trial and you know that could be all right well we're going to enroll 50 patients right and so it'll stay open until they meet that goal or until something you know something else might happen that would uh, warrant closing or stopping this, this trial early but for most uh, trials they will stay open until they meet their enrollment goal and patients are able to enroll at any time during that process would maybe if the the clinical trial didn't seem to be successful would that be a reason to stop it or pause it or that would be a reason. So uh, some of the reasons include if they're seeing anything in terms of effectiveness, if it's a treatment that's um, that they are seeing is not um, proving to be effective, then they would uh, put it on hold or stop it. Um, the other one might be side effects. So if patients are having really severe side effects from the treatment, 
then that would be a situation where they would put it on hold um, and evaluate, you know, if what the side effects are related to and if there's anything that can be done to mitigate them before they would keep going. I know a lot of times when we talk to somebody about a clinical trial, maybe why they're not doing it or not considering it, there's a lot of myths out there. And I know we've spoken about them before, but can you go over the myths and the non-myths for that again, please? Sure. I think one of the biggest ones is that idea that patients are going to be, you know, tested on or that they're going to be a guinea pig. Um, that's a that's a really big myth. And the truth is that those patients are really closely monitored. Um, they go through a, an informed consent process, which is basically the patient giving their permission to participate in the study and consenting to be part of the study. Patients can choose to leave trials at any time. So if you sign up one day and then the next day you decide, I don't want to move, move forward with it, the patient can stop the study at any time. So it's a very closely monitored process and the patient and the health of the patient is really at the center of that. And the patient can make those decisions. And it's really when they sign on to the trial, giving their consent to participate with the understanding that they can leave the trial at any time. So even though you know it is testing an investigational treatment, you know the patient is really has rights and is able to walk away at any time. Um, I think the other thing is that you know um, patients might think that they're not getting you know good care or the best care, and and that's also a myth. Um, patients tend to get more are actually more closely monitored when they're in a clinical trial um, because they're really trying to evaluate. Okay, what you know what's the reaction that each patient is having to this treatment? How is it impacting them in different aspects, right? In their um, quality of life and, you know, the progression of their their um, cancer and all of those elements. So I think that's another one that we hear is that patients are concerned that they're not going to get, you know, good care. And, and in fact, it's really the opposite of that. Patients are more, more closely monitored in a lot of clinical trials and many times have access to physicians who are really specialized in, in managing pancreatic cancers. If they start a clinical trial and then they decide to stop it for whatever reason, can they go back to their previous treatment or are they just kind of left out there? Depends on the situation. So if a patient was on a, a standard of care treatment and they usually will only change to a different treatment if they're seeing that there's some sort of progression of their cancer. Once they change, if they decide to go into a clinical trial and then they um, are not responding well or they choose to walk away from the trial, then in most cases, the patient would probably be pursuing a different treatment option because the idea is that if they enroll in the clinical trial, they probably had some sort of progression on their original treatment. So they always evaluate how is the patient doing? How are they responding? What are the side effects? And how's the cancer responding to the treatment when making treatment decisions? And also what, what did the patient want, right? What are the patient's goals for treatment? Yeah, because sometimes I think the side effects can be, you know, bad and they decide maybe that's not the way they want to go. So if that would be it, they would be able to go if they were doing the standard treatment before um, that would be a possibility to still be able to go back and do what they did before. If they were tolerating it and if they were responding, the cancer was responding to it, then I think that would be a consideration that the healthcare team could potentially make is to go back. But again, I think in most cases, patients will experience progression of their cancer and then be looking for another treatment option and then enroll in a clinical trial, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, but we always <laughs> talk to patients about self-advocacy, which is critical throughout a cancer journey. And 
Part of that includes if you're having a lot of side effects, having those conversations with the healthcare team, documenting the side effects, and really making sure that the healthcare team knows about them and is helping to manage them. Because any kind of treatment always has to be balanced, right, with the risks of that treatment and the benefits of that treatment. And the risks should never outweigh the benefits. No, and sometimes you can have side effects or you will have side effects, but if you are open and honest with your team, it's something maybe that they can just adjust somehow and then the side effects are tolerable and you can go on. So um, I know another one I hear a lot too when I talk to people is they're worried about getting a placebo. Can you tell us what a placebo is and does that happen in a clinical trial? Absolutely. So a placebo is basically um, an inactive treatment or sometimes it's called a sugar pill. Um, a situation where a patient wouldn't actually be getting an active therapy. And that's something that's really rare in cancer clinical trials from an ethical perspective. In most cases, what we see is that if patients are participating in a clinical trial, they're going to get um, standard of care treatment. If they are uh, going into a trial that's looking at an investigational treatment and they're randomized to the arm that is um, you know, not the experimental arm, most of the time they'll be getting standard of care. So it's it's a treatment that they would be getting outside of a clinical trial anyways, right? And not um, no treatment at all. That's really, really rare in, in cancer clinical trials. Um, and the only time that I've seen it is if the standard of care is like best supportive care. That's when, you know, um, you will see that, but it's it's extremely rare. And in most cases, trials have different designs some of them are open label, which just means everybody knows what they're getting. You know, everybody's aware of the treatment. And um, in most cases for those, most patients are getting the experimental treatment. But the further along you go down the clinical trial process, the treatment that's being investigated has to be evaluated against the standard of care treatment to see if it's better or not. And so at that point, like I said, patients wouldn't get a placebo, they would get standard of care if they were not part of the experimental arm. Oh, thank you for explaining that because that does make sense. So I'm glad you explained that. But I did want to know too, would the medical profession or the patient themselves know if they're doing the standard of care or if they're doing the experimental drug? Do they have an idea? Do they know? It depends on the trial. So if it's an open label trial, they will. If it's what's called um, a blinded trial, a double blinded trial, the investigators won't know and the patients won't know. And so, yeah, it depends on the trial. And that's part of the part, the part about being informed and really knowing the clinical trial that you're enrolling in is critical because at that point, even before you enroll and you're considering enrollment, you should be looking, right? If you don't wanna be part of a randomized trial like that, then you wanna you know, be looking at trials that are what are, what I said are called open label trials. And then you'll know what you're on. If you're willing, you know, and wanting to go into a situation where it's um, a, a double blind randomized trial, which many are, then um, then it's good for patients to know that up front. And that's information that the clinical trial site should provide before someone enrolls. Basically be informed about, you know, every aspect of the trial before you enroll. And is the trials monitored by any outside group or if, how does that work? Yeah, so the clinical trials are gonna be closely monitored. Um, one, by something called an institutional review board, which most big institutions, hospitals will have, and is really looking at making sure that the trial is safe, that you know it's ethically sound. And then the Food and Drug Administration as well is you know part of the clinical trial process too. And 
And there's, you know, a lot that goes into really monitoring the safety of clinical trials and of patients within clinical trials. How often are they monitored or checked? That's something that I think happens pretty frequently, um, especially if there's if patients are reporting any side effects. So it's kind of built into the process and happens every step along the way. And I know the you know information needs to be shared. Obviously, that's the reason why you do a clinical trial. But isn't it is your private information is that you know kept private or is everything shared? What is shared during a clinical trial? In most cases, all of the information is de-identified, so it, it might, but it depends on the trial. So again, it's important for patients to ask those questions when they're thinking about enrolling in a clinical trial um, and, and, and really understand what information is gonna be shared and what's not gonna be shared. But in most cases, they're gonna report on, um, you know, the patients, the demographic makeup of the patients, um, how they responded, any side effects that they experienced. Those are the things that you usually see and you won't see any identifying information. So like names, things like that, you, you typically don't see uh, when you see results for clinical trials. But again, a question to ask the the investigators when you're thinking about enrolling in a study. And I know there is a um, clinical trials um, website out there that you can go and research. I think it's clinicaltrials.gov or something like that. But that's very overwhelming. So if I want to do a clinical trial, what is your best advice for me? We typically encourage people to contact us directly and one of the best things to do is give us a call during our business hours um, and call the helpline and we can walk you through the process. So there are some questions that we will ask regarding your situation because we like to do personalized trial searches. And that includes us knowing information on the stage and type of treatment, the treatments that someone's been on, any travel restrictions that they might have. And so we take all of that into account and we'll perform a clinical trial search for patients and then give them a list of trials based on, you know, the kind of different parameters um, and what might be appropriate for them based on um, their stage and type of their cancer. People can also do a clinical trial search via our clinical trial finder on our website, uh, pancan.org. And um, there you can go in and put some of those details in yourself and uh, perform that clinical trial search on your own. If you want the full results, then we would, you know, uh, you would say submit and then we would get that on the helpline side and we would provide information on, on the clinical trials, um, at least the, the more detailed information about the trial. So I always encourage patients to really contact us directly and, and speak with someone over the phone because then we're able to really understand the information, the situation and, and come back with a list of results that would be, you know, beneficial based on the situation. I think we find that most patients, like you said, are overwhelmed and, and may not know all the details of, you know, when this treatment started and that one ended. And so we do our very best to try to get at that information um, as much as we can to really give people an accurate clinical trial search result. And the clinical trials, when you help them do the search, it's related to pancreatic cancer specifically, right? Yeah. So we have an internal database, pancreatic cancer specific clinical trials. And um, it also includes any gastrointestinal cancer trials that have a pancreatic cancer arm. So that's really how our database works. It's very much specific to pancreatic cancer trials. Yeah, I know the government one. I mean, it's a great one, but it's very overwhelming because everything is in there. So I found it very difficult. So thank you. I'm glad that service is, is really wonderful that PenCan provides. And because it's Clinical Trials Awareness Month, you have a webinar coming up, correct? We do. We have a webinar coming up next week. and. 
if you're interested in that, you should definitely uh, register for that. Um, we're going to have a great panel of experts talking about clinical trials, and um, you can go to our website, paincan.org, and, and register for that. And that is next Thursday at 11 o'clock Pacific time? 11 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. A.m., right? A.m., sorry. <laughs> yes, 11 a.m. Pacific time. Any last words you want to leave us with or advice for somebody considering a clinical trial? Anything maybe yeah. we didn't cover or talk about? I would just say, you know, we're here to support you and help you through the process. And we really want to. We've got a really dedicated team of case managers who are available and wanting to connect with patients and caregivers and provide support. So let us, you know, help you through the process. It can be overwhelming. It can be a lot of information. And so we really want to make sure that patients have the support if they need it. And then also, you know, the self-advocacy piece, I think, is critical making sure that patients advocate for themselves uh, throughout their whole treatment journey is important. Um, we're you know, happy to also serve as, um, as advocates for patients in many cases. And so again, um, happy to have people reach out to us and help us um, help them along their journey. And then also I think with clinical trials, um, it's important, like I said, to just be aware of the clinical trial, get the information as much as you can ahead of time, ask questions of the clinical trial investigators, you know, and really understand what the trial is, is is doing. And then, you know, consider that and have an open conversation with your family members, whoever, you know, um, you have that's supporting you through your cancer journey and, and make a decision kind of collectively. And yeah, I think if anyone ever has questions or needs support around that realm, then contact patient services for sure. Well, thank you, Fantima, for being here today. I really appreciate the giving us the update on clinical trials and just shooting down some of those myths and realizing it really is important for us all to think about that the first go around and not anytime soon. But, you know, when we're first being diagnosed, it's really great to look into that, see what's out there. So thank you for clearing up some things and answering some questions for us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. As long as you speak my name, I shall live forever. Today is dedicated to Larry Clark. Larry is actually would be celebrating his 74th birthday today, I believe, but has uh, had quite the go around himself with pancreatic cancer. I believe he had nine reoccurrences, was a great advocate, did clinical trials and shared all his information with all of us patients and survivors. So just want to dedicate that today to Larry and let him, him and his family know how much we really appreciate him and uh, how much I really do miss him. So thank you, uh, Larry Clark and your wife and family for going through that with for us. We really do appreciate it. Thank you. Well, there you have it. More useful information and even more reasons you should tune in each and every week to Living Hope, a weekly journey designed to provide hope, inspiration, and education for those living with pancreatic cancer. Sharing the real-life stories those really affected by this deadly disease and some of the resources they use to deal with it on a daily basis. And if you need some help on your daily basis, like today, why don't you reach out and contact the patient services at 877, the number two, PANCAN. That's 877-2-P-A-N-C-A-N for the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. The OC Talk Radio Network. I'm Paul Roberts. Thanking you for joining us. Hoping us you'll share this information with somebody today. Come back and join us for even more next week. 
as we stream live from our studios here at the University of California Irvine's Beale Applied Innovation Center.